Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Welcome to Podcar and welcome to another episode with a special guest and today is someone that I've known for quite some time, Ewan Robertson. Photographer, is that you? Would we say that that's your complete profession? Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. awesome. Um, I kn- I've known you since before you went professional as well, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so just... I guess what I want to start off with is just to talk about how you first got into photography, all the generic stuff, and then talk about how it you became professional. Wow. <laughs> professional is such a loaded word. Isn't yeah. It? Um, okay, so hi, first of all. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're on. welcome. Um, uh, yeah, when you said that, it kind of got me thinking, it's like, when I first met you, and I don't even really know. Like, I guess Detour. Ago. Yeah. So, 2009. Wow. Yeah. Nearly 10 years. Yeah. Book. 10 years <laughs> in February, I think it is. Oh cool. That's a, a long time. <laughs> it's really funny, because when you say 2009, it doesn't seem like 10 years ago. No. But, yeah, that's just us being old, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how did I get into photography? Um, I... I was actually back where I first started learning photography last weekend, which is Porton Cross, which is a tiny wee, I don't, it's, I don't know if it's a town or not, but it's, there's a castle there. It's kind of on the west coast near where I grew up. Uh, I studied accounts at university in Stirling um, and hated it. Like from pretty much from the end of first year, I was just like, this is crap. Um, so I actually, won money on a pub quiz one night when I was at uni and I bought a camera with the money that I won. Um, not like a, a good camera or anything but just started dicking about with it and taking pictures of pals and stuff and of everything and just was like enjoyed it and like there was never any never any idea that it was going to be anything. Uh, and then one weekend I was home back in Ayrshire um, from Stirling and my cousin, who I'm like the same age as us and grew up with, were really, really good friends. Um, he, he he was making a pinhole camera, and he, he texted me, he's like, oh, I'm making these pinhole cameras, do you want to come and try? So we went and made pinhole cameras out of matchboxes and little tins, and went down to Porting Cross and uh, like exposed rolls of film, and then went and got it developed and kind of worked out, and it was just absolutely fascinating. I, like, I, at that point, I had no idea what a pinhole camera was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, to like be able to like make something, and that creates photographs so simply, it just like kind of really, uh, really fascinated me. Um, yeah. So then I got more and more interested in it, and it kind of spiraled, and uh, yeah, went down a bit of a, a black hole of photography, and uh, got more and more interested in different aspects and. For a long time, it was always just a hobby, and that's like when I started doing the detour stuff. It was yeah. just a hobby, and like I, I met Ali at uni, and I only met Weaver afterwards. But so, for people that don't sorry. know who they yeah. are, um, so detour um, is was a prominent collective, um, and they obviously did the live events, multimedia aspects, um, videos, kidnaps of mm-hmm. bands, which I think that they that needs that all needs to come back. Um, and also, uh, so Ali McRae, who went to go on to BBC Radio 1 and various things, and now he's with BBC Radio 3. BBC 3. BBC 3, sorry. 
and uh, Weaver. <laughs> what can you say about Weaver? Um, he is probably quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, such a character. Loves wearing vests, and he is and shorts. Um, yeah, and he now works for Synergy. Um, so yeah, so that's a short summary yeah. on what they've done. Probably quite a good summary. <laughs> <laughs> when you say kidnaps with no context, yeah, it sounds well, a bit weird. Yeah, that but it does. We'll probably get to that later. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I met Ali at Union Weaver afterwards, and at that point they were starting to do these kidnap things, which involved taking vans to various places. And I was old enough to drive a van, a hire van, which is probably why I started doing it. Um, and took my camera along, photographed the bands on the kidnaps and like it kind of went from there and I was just like, ah, photographing bands is fun. And it seemed like a nice, and I had been playing in a band until not long before that. And it seemed like quite a nice way to stay involved in what was going on without, because yeah. I, like, I was playing in a band, but I was never had any talent as a musician. So it seemed like a nice way to be involved without having to uh, show myself up on stage. And so, I, I'll, we'll delve more as the conversation goes on, but I guess um, I was saying to you, so your first song that you've, I've asked you to pick uh, six songs that have kind of almost um, been influential through um, your photogra photographic career. Um, when I say career, you're still very young, so <laughs> you've still got some time to go. But the, um, so Song of Return, who for me were, were very much a, um, a a kind of core part of Glasgow um, through the people that were part of the band um, and through elements such as Block and um, you know just the the kind of audience that they had as, as well so why is this so why are they so significant partly for that reason yeah they, like they were such a such an important thing um, I so just to harp back very very quickly when I was at Stirling I was involved in the student radio station and I remember the Union of Nice Records came in to the student radio station and I put it on listened to it in the, the radio office and I was just like holy shit yeah I was just like this is really special um, and then fast forwards um, a while and we were doing Dieter stuff and I was just like ah oh, this is this is that um, and a, a new form or a, like a new band of the ashes of that kind of band um, and the, they were just making really exciting music there was a lot of stuff at that point in time which was like it was quite good but nothing that was like really exciting yeah. and then that was a band that got me really really excited about seeing them play live especially uh, and seeing what they could do like, they were just so inventive and they were making all these like great noises and it's like and everyone in the band was an important part of the band you know totally um, so it was almost like an all-star lineup as yeah. well and Ricky. yeah true <laughs> <laughs> sorry um, but yeah no totally there's like amazing talent in the band like Craig and Louie and Alex are all just awesome musicians mm -hmm. um, and yeah so the reason I, I specifically picked Song of Return apart from the fact that they were making great music was they were quite I don't know if I'd say prominent but they featured in a lot of Dieter content uh, one of the kidnaps which you mentioned earlier was um, 
was Saul going to return with it onto St. Peter's Seminary? Uh, were you there that day? I don't know. No, I don't um, think so. Which was wild. Like, there's videos online, I'm sure you can still find them. Um, but we, yeah, we took the band up to this abandoned seminary that fallen apart and the idea was to get them to play in the afternoon. It took so long to set everything up, they ended up playing at night time in the dark. Everyone was shitting themselves when all the lights went off. It was pretty creepy. Um, and it just felt like a really, really like special moment. Like Sometimes it's very hard when you're in whatever you're doing to really comprehend what it is you're doing, but that was one of these times when you're like, there's a lot of really good people here yeah. making really good stuff. And, and I just felt really lucky to be a part of it. Um, not that, I, I, like at that point, I wasn't a big part at all, because like, I was probably just a designated driver. But, um, <laughs> and I was just taking, taking pictures on a like my, on my grandpa's old film camera, which at that point, which was what I was using to photograph theater stuff. Um, yeah, so it seemed like a good starting point because that was like one of the, I guess, one of the times when I felt really lucky to be a part of uh, something interesting with a lot of really good people. What What do you miss most about that? Apart from obviously the the camaraderie and being with those people, but what else do you miss about that time? <sighs> the sense of not having any idea what was going to happen. Yeah. Like the fear factor. Um, Dieter was always and continues to be slightly uh, fly by the seat of your pants. Um, <laughs> don't ask permission, ask forgiveness kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that kind of fear factor of everything, like you get, I guess you get a bit older and things become a bit more sterile and you play by the rules a bit more, especially when it becomes a job and when it becomes what you're doing, uh, you need to you don't need to but I guess you sort of fall into playing by the rules a little bit more um, but that kind of anything could happen feeling um, a generator could pack in and it could all be a complete bust or it could be one of the best things you've ever done yeah uh, but I I think that's what I, I miss so much about um, that is the like you say is is the playing by the rules I like to think that at times I still don't do that and I certainly know that, that Weaver I don't think will ever completely play by the rules um, and Ali to a certain degree but um, yeah I think you're right in ter the professionalism that you have to take on but do you think that maybe the, by following those rules it takes away from the kind of creativity of what you're trying oh, to yeah. do? Without doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, like I guess you can look at this in like a macro and a micro sense, like in a, a wide sense, yeah, like in terms of what you're doing with your life, like if you're playing by the rules and you're, you're playing by the rules mm -hmm. and that is, it's always going to be within certain boundaries and within certain lines um, and it's, I guess, the rule breakers that are the people that are the, the people that draw attention and the people that um, catch the imagination. Yeah. Um, and on a, a micro sense like day to day like if you so to talk about this from a photography point of view but I guess it works with music or any kind of creativity you, you're when you learn you're told that these are the rules like this is how you should compose something or this is how you should expose something um, and you're like yeah that's fine but all that creates is homogenous work Mm -hmm. So if everyone follows the rules to the letter, then everyone's going to end up producing the same work. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I think it's, I think it's much easier to break the rules on a micro sense. It's a bit harder to break them on a macro sense. Yeah. Um, but I guess you need to do one to lead to the other. Um, your next pick is Biffy Clyro. Why Biffy? That's the question. Why Biffy? Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but like for a lot of people, I know that there there was a band. You know, there was there was the band that kind of made you interested in what was going on. Um, so like when I was when I was younger, like I don't know, like when I started, so I started uni when I was seventeen, and like I met people, and obviously when I moved in, they were like, oh, I, like they were putting records on, and as you do when you're seventeen, you're like exchanging what you knew, and like it was only at that point that I ever heard of the existence of Jeff Buckley. Like I'd never even experienced them before, you know, and it's just that's a one example but there didn't seem to be much in like around my school or around my group of friends that was especially broad musical um so it was very much like a a kind of brit poppy like like suede were really adventurous mm -hmm. like that was really outside the box um so i kind of grew up in a pretty safe musical environment um especially if, like my parents like liked a lot of kind of like like the eagles yeah. Like the Eagles best of was probably the most played <laughs> record in our house. Um which is fine. Um but there wasn't much adventurous and then I remember like I was in the kitchen of our halls in first year at uni and we're listening to what was her name? Vic and Jill? Was yeah, Vic and Jill? Yeah. Like way yeah. back. Oh my god, that's such a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and they played oh, what was it they played? They they played a Biffy song from Black and Sky.
had never heard of Biffy at this point. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and yeah, there was like one of those moments when you're just like, like, like get excited about this. Um, this is really cool. Um, and yeah, then started going to see them and saw them like a bunch of times. Um, like more than I'm aware of now. Uh, yeah, and they were just like a really, really exciting band. Kind of like what I was saying about Song of Return earlier. It's just like they're just what they do is exciting. Like everything that they seem to put their their hand on just was really, really exciting. And kind of led me on to like loads of other music. Like they led me to like Sushio Pero and like a bunch of other bands. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when was um, the first time you photographed Biffy Clyro? Uh, that's a good question I'm trying to remember it was at um, Rock Ness uh, I can't remember what year it was mm-hmm. um, but like I never photographed them until like I've only ever photographed them live live uh, yeah they, I've never like I didn't photograph them until they were huge in fact it was I think around the time when Many of Horror was like crazy because um, I remember like through a kind of fortuitous connection of a good friend of mine sort of working with the band like I, I photographed like a couple of songs from the side of the stage that day yeah um, and I photographed a couple of songs and then they started playing Many of Horror and like you just saw the entire crowd singing that song back and it was like even just now I'm like total goosebumps yeah and it's like it's like it's a good song objectively but it's like not one of my favourite Biffy songs uh, but like absolute hair standing on ends everywhere in your body and you're just like holy shit this band means a lot to a lot of people yeah uh, and you can see like that what you felt in so many other people and it just becomes so like affirming it's so nice do you think that when you have photographed them live that you have uh, you've been happy that you've managed to capture the essence of what they are like live. Mm. Wow, what a question! I know, um, sorry. <laughs> no, that's no, all. Um, um, I'm going to hum and haw over this one. It, it's interesting because what they are like live is, I guess, going to be very different as to how you see and how you feel about Biffy. Yeah. Um, like. And like I'm, the reason I'm humming and hawing is I'm really struggling to phrase this without sounding like a dick. Um, but my like fondest memories of Biffy are like in rooms like up like one time they played the Badlands and it was just like one of the most life affirming gigs I've ever been to and like you leave and you're like drenched in sweat and it was incredible. Uh, like I'm obviously older now and like I don't go down the front of gigs because I'm like six foot four and I'm conscious that there's like a lot of people behind me that are going to be like pissed off at this massive guy uh, so at any gig I don't really go down the front anymore but if I go and see Biffy now I'm like enjoying it from the back of the room so it's like a very different experience for me now uh, so I don't know if I have ever got a shot of Biffy that kind of feels to me the way that they felt when I was like down the front in the Barrowlands but that's maybe because I've only photographed them from being older mm-hmm. um, and I guess there's part of as much as images of a band there's part of what the photographer sees in each image so maybe it's like how I've kind of approached it like I have some shots of Biffy that I absolutely love yeah um, uh, 
interesting that I was just going through some old, maybe not interestingly, <laughs> but some old uh, work really recently, and I've pulled a lot of it out to post over the next like week or so. And there's a couple of Biffy shots that I really, really like uh, that I'm a big fan of. Um, but I don't know, like, how can you do justice to something that is like, like, they're probably the band that has more than any other changed me. Right. And to say that I've taken a photograph that equates to that, like, nah, probably not. And just to go off on a, a bit of a tangent, um, the, the pits that you've, you've been in um, and you photographed live, what's, what's been the best and what's been the worst? The best and worst pit? Well, um, okay, so the worst... The worst is funny because like the worst ones are usually the most fun, right? Uh, or not usually, but can be the most fun. So one of the one of the toughest. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Ty Segal, Ty yeah. Segal. Yeah. Um, um, I photographed uh, in what's it called? The what the captain dressed went and moved oh, liquid to liquid ship. Oh no. no. Um, all the, like next to sleazies and stuff I can't even oh broadcast broadcast yeah thanks um, yeah so like downstairs and, and broadcast and it was like absolutely rammed and it was it was like for enemy or Kerrang I think enemy I think and uh, it was winter and I was running late to the gig and this is where winter becomes important because it was freezing I get inside and you've got like what 120 130 people in the room absolutely rammed really really sweaty there's n- there's no pit in mm-hmm. broadcast. Um, you're literally just like fighting with the people down the front, and there was a lot of uh, bouncing. It was pretty raucous. Um, and get the camera, out and it's completely condensed. Like there's just condensation on the sensor of the camera. So you're just like all you can do in that situation is wait for it to go. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of lucky in that sense that there's no pit, so you're not subjected to the like this three song in your yeah. out, which you get in some bigger venues. Um, but that was really good fun because you just kind of completely get into it with the crowd and I didn't know a thing about the band at that time but I've since become a fan of the band through the, that scene live um, and yeah it's like it just becomes really it's so much more rewarding when you get a shot from a show like that because um, I mean you can go to like well Arcade Fire last night I've not I've not looked yet but you'll see some amazing shots from that because there's an incredible production the light show looked unbelievable. Yeah, I saw like someone's like a phone photo, and it looked like there was lasers, yeah, mirror lasers over, recreating yeah. the boxing ring thing vibe mm-hmm. that they had going on. It looked incredible. Um, but yeah, you'll see some amazing photographs of that because um, you can go into the hydro and you can take really nice photographs of really nice production, um, and that's that's cool. Like that's totally a thing. Um, but I think it's really rewarding when you get shots from a show that you're proud of yeah Uh, when you get shots that you're proud of from a show that is especially hard uh, to shoot so that sticks out as one of the the worst but then maybe the best yeah (laughs) Um, yeah. and best I don't know like uh, it depends what best means like is best easy because sometimes easy is boring you know I guess Um, more from a that you've just thought I am so privileged to be here and take photos and they've actually maybe turned out the way that you've wanted them to as well yeah do you know what like at the last incarnation of tea in the park or the last tea in the park that happened like was that two years ago now yeah um i'd had a 
the last day, I'd had a pretty rough day and I'd been part of the territory of this team in the park is that I'd been hitting the back and then the back of the head twice that day with like flying drinks. Uh, so once photographing stiff little fingers I got hit in the head with a beer bottle. Uh, Shit. And I was just like, and I was just raging. I was just so angry. I was just like, why are people such dicks? Um, and I went back to the the porta cabin and I was just like, I hate this, I hate it. And um, Which is probably not what you should be saying to the people that are employing you to be there. In fact, they're all cool. Um, <laughs> And then I went back out to something again later on and then I get like a pint of, thankfully it was cold, <laughs> um, but like a pint of cider down my back so it's like sticky and you're just feeling gross and you're just like, oh my God, why It could have been this? urine. It could have been, yeah, and it has been in the past. Oh, uh, so wow. it's fine. Um, I got that at BDI one year. Um, if it's gonna that be pretty anywhere. much sums up what you're going to get at um, BDI. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'd had a, a bit of a, an unenjoyable day and then LCD. Like, when you say life affirming, that's what's come into my head. And yeah, some of those are I, had, I didn't pick them as part of my six, but I, that was one of the last ones that got deleted before it became six. Um, I might just pop them in. Yeah, totally. Go for it. Um, <laughs> Thank you.
just incredible. Like sometimes you're like sometimes I'm photographing a gig and you'll get past the three songs because like at festivals you're restricted to three songs and then you need to leave the pit. Um, sometimes you get past the three songs and I'm not really aware of what's happened. Um, that happened a lot the first time I shot Tea in the Park. Um, like I couldn't have told you what songs I had just photographed. But at LCD I was just like the entire time, biggest smile on my face. Yeah. And I think that came across in the, the photographs that I took of that uh, set. I was just, I'm really, was and still I'm really happy with a lot of the photographs I got that day. Uh, it's the first time I photographed them. Uh, first time I'd actually seen them play live. And there was hardly anybody there. Um, did you see pictures I of that? D- I did, and, and they're it's one of my favourite um, artists, and I've seen them quite a few times live now, and um, the last time being the Barrowlands. And um, we'd seen the pictures, and we were, uh, I think, horrified <laughs> might be the term. Um, so, But the Barrowlands made up for that yeah, two nights. Imagine. You messaged me about picking these songs and I started the process of narrowing down a list and I put on all my friends I think on the list and then I was just like actually I, like I wanted to put it on because I wanted to talk about that live experience of uh-huh. photographing LCD so I was like let's put on the live version so I put on the version the Madison Square Garden yeah. version uh, and then I was like let's put on the album and just put on that live album and just went out a walk and you're just like this is incredible um so this one kind of stood out for me so king ayasoba um and apparently fairly big in ghana yeah um so tell me about him well i don't know a whole lot about him to be honest um so the reason i picked king ayasoba is the live show and i guess we've spoken a lot about live so far um but Affirming is one of the adjectives that you would use to describe this. I had no idea what was what I was going into. It was a Celtic Connection show a couple of years ago uh, at Platform in Glasgow, yeah. which does really, really interesting stuff. There's like amazing people working there. Uh, Platform in Easter House. Yeah, and um, and I just we we should point out Alan Woodward from Chemical yeah. um, does amazing yeah, curations great, great there, there but, yeah. and the team. Yeah, it's such a good guy as well. It, yeah. Amazing man. Um, I went along and I was actually photographing I think three or four shows at Platform during Celtic Connections for Platform for them to use um, and one of the shows that they picked out was this King Ayasoba and sometimes I'll like do a bit of research and go into a show like expecting what to hear or what to or what to what's going to happen um, I looked at some pictures and I was like yeah it looks like it's fun uh, but that sounds really patronising. <laughs> it looks fun. Um, but yeah, it looked like a fun show. So I was just like, like I'm just going to go along and just shoot what happens rather than going in with an expectation of what I should do. I'm just going to go along and shoot what I see. And it was incredible. Like I, I stayed for the entire show uh, like dancing with the people in the room. <laughs> and it's like, it was just, you know, sometimes you get gigs and people are kind of like nodding along or like too cool to be there. Everybody was having the time of their life. Yeah. Um, the support, I couldn't tell you who the support was, but the support was amazing as well and came out and did some uh, uh, some songs with King Ayasoba. And yeah, it was just an incredible thing. And it's like part part of what I love about photography and music photography especially is like, I'm going into rooms that I would never otherwise go into mm-hmm. um, for a reason so that you have this kind of like permission to be in the room and 
it's almost going to be a bit of a voyeur as to this other world that you don't know that you're not a part of um, and you get to like dip your toes into that world for an hour and be a part of it and like almost always you're just accepted into this world and that's one of the best examples I've had of that it's just yeah that was incredible and I just left absolutely beaming
would you say that you have a certain style of photography that that um, when you say that you know that that's that privilege almost of of the voyeurism within that would you say that your photography because I mean your Instagram you have been doing so you've been putting up uh, shots of several different projects that you've done and for me you really capture the kind of um, an essence of someone but you capture kind of a different side or um, I don't a trueness about someone there's something that really yeah. comes through in those photos so is that something that you would like to feel stylistically that you go for? I'm tearing up about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much, first of all. Um, like, I guess if I was to, uh, yeah, if I was to try and define what I wanted to do, it would be along those lines. Mm-hmm. Is like trying to tap into because I, I don't really do so much live music anymore. Um, I've just kind of fallen away from doing the live stuff, and um, I really like spending a bit more time with with people. Um, my photographs are almost always of people um, like that's just absolutely what like interests me and sort of fascinates me and the fact that every person has so much going on that you don't know about um, there's yeah just trying to sort of tap into whatever wherever a person is at that moment that you find them to photograph yeah. um, I don't necessarily like to take people to a specific place to like metaphorically um, so I don't like saying right I want you to feel sad or I want you to like this Um, it's more yeah I guess like tapping into where a person is at that moment Um, Mm -hmm. because you know that thing like you'll see people that you kind of know and you say oh how are you doing I'm fine and like inside you're drowning you know um, like people don't talk about how they are which is a shame and we were kind of talking about this before we started recording is um, something I've been very conscious of recently um, yeah people don't always open up um, but when they're in this situation of having a camera and you're sitting for a portrait it's initially a bit of a weird situation but then I find that people are a bit more willing to open up in the right environment and which is quite strange yeah in itself it's really strange um yeah it's really really strange and do you think that that's because they're so exposed that they just think well i've got nothing to lose here i you know i think a lot of it has to do with interaction between um subject and photographer and like there's this this comes back to sort of following and breaking the rules again it's like there's this idea that if you're taking somebody's portrait you should be there to make them feel as comfortable as possible yeah and um annie Leibovitz is a really like i'll butcher the quote but she has a says something really interesting it's like it's not my job to make them feel comfortable it's my job to make a true portrait of them yeah uh, so if that involves them being uncomfortable then so be it uh, yeah. yeah so i'm not i'm not really sure why people are more willing to open up um like it would be nice to think that it was something to do with me but it might just be that yeah. they are willing to um it could just be the people i photograph are really interesting well, no, it, i mean it must be testament to your character if if you know those shots are coming out in in that way mm. um and can be interpreted that way um Vashti Bunyan hmm. I mean I have to say that there's a couple of songs that I've thought uh, well it's it's kind of 50-50 some of the songs I've, I was expecting the artist 
to be on there. Um, but Vashti Bunyan just was another one that I was quite surprised by. I'm running out of adjectives. Uh, I feel like I'm just describing everything <laughs> as incredible and awesome. And, um, she's one of the most intriguing people I've ever met. Um, she's unbelievable. Um, I, so I, I'm working on this project, kind of an ongoing project, um, where I'm photographing musicians uh, who then pass me on to like the next person in the series, if you like. So, oh, wow. And it all kind of stemmed from kind of, in, in a sense, like what Song of Return was, was like a collection of musicians who work in other bands. You know, like there's people in Song of Return from Amro Fado and Moth in the Mirror. And, uh, so there's, there just seemed to be this community in Scotland where musicians would dip in and out of other bands and like I don't know if it's exclusive to Scotland but it certainly seems like it's a really really strong element of what happens uh, here. So this kind of sprung up from the detour days of bands playing with other bands and all this kind of crossover. Um, so I started photographing musicians and then said to them so the only kind of remit is that I want someone that you are inspired by, friends with, like have worked with, something along those lines, and for logistical and cost reasons, like based in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this led to me photographing Vashti Bunyan, which was so I'd photographed Neil Pennycook of Merceau. Yeah. Uh, I, another person who could easily feature in this list. Um, he picked Vashti and he said, I don't have any way of getting in touch with her. Uh, I don't know anything about her other than I know she is based in Scotland. Uh, so I'd done some, I did some research and found that her last release had been through Fat Cat Records, who I've done a bunch of work for. Got in touch with them and asked if they could put me in touch and went through some other people who I thought might be able to help. And for monthly, this project has been going on for a while because getting in touch with people and hearing back from people takes a long time. Um, and yeah, I hadn't heard anything. And I was close to going back to Neil and saying, can we go a different route? Because I've hit a brick wall with Vashti.
notification on my phone and it's like, hello from Vashti. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, like like such a an icon of that time and that genre, I guess. Um, she's so hospitable. Like I was in her house for hours. Um, like just like not photographing, but like we sat and drank tea and chatted for such a long time. Yeah. Um, such a lovely, lovely person and in, incredible stories. Yeah. Like she, she's a storyteller. Uh, she, one of the things that was really stuck with me is we were talking about, or there's a photo wall in her studio. She has a studio in her, in her house uh, with a photo wall. And there's a story of her traveling the length of the UK in a, a horse-drawn caravan uh, and there was a picture of a caravan so I asked is that the caravan you did the journey and so it kind of got around to talking about that and I was like so how, how long did this take to journey from the south coast of England to the Hebrides and uh, she kind of paused and thought uh, two two summers and one winter like see if you're measuring time and seasons you're killing it <laughs> oh my god and she's She's so, so lovely. Like, I, I couldn't do her enough justice mm-hmm. uh, in words to explain what a great person she is. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, uh, um, and, well, I, I kind of... Re- she really came uh, into my uh, stream because of Joe Mango and mm-hmm. Adam. So, um, the... I, I, you know, I've, I've obviously heard her music and I've seen... Um, you know various really beautiful photographs of her she's another one of those those people that when you see pictures of them there's there's something really quite striking and intriguing about them the the question I wanted to ask you I mean I know that you've recently become a father and you're married and so on and you've obviously got your family and and again um, through your social media you've taken photos of that unit Um, Aside from those people very close to you, has there been um, a, a kind of a person or a photograph that you've taken that's that's really moved you that you didn't expect? Yes, like uh, immediately, yes. The only hesitation I have is I don't know if it's something I should necessarily talk about. Um, th- I mean, th- those photographs of Ashton were a point where I felt. It's, very lucky to be in the situation I was in mm-hmm. um, and I'm really really happy with the photographs that I got which is unusual because I usually will finish like edit the photographs and finish them and then be like I should have done this or I should have done that mm-hmm. and I think that's fairly natural um, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I got from those photographs um, in terms of photographs that I've taken that have moved me out with my kind of tiny personal world <laughs> Yeah, there's like a photograph I took last year of my a friend's mum who isn't so well, um, and that's a photograph that I'm really glad I, I yeah. took. Um, it, and I really like it, and like when I see it, I kind of feel like it kind of really tugs at me, um, and I'm glad to have taken it. But yeah. Is there a, a sense of kind of fulfilment that you are documenting these people's lives and you're you're creating these timestamps um, to reflect on? Yeah, absolutely. Like if I mean, it's very easy when you're working in this world to get lost in your own kind of ego and think about why you're doing things and like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this to try and get 
some Instagram likes or whatever, you know, like it's very easy to get caught up in that. But when you when you're able to step out of that and appreciate what a photograph could and might become uh, one day, then yeah, like it's it is a real privilege to have the chance to create something that will maybe one day reflect a person a period of time in their lives. Um, so Prides um, are obviously very much, the people within Prides, um, which is your next pick, are very much of the, the group that you have um, kind of grown with and, and you know, socialised with and, and so on. Um, and they've been through quite a journey themselves as well. I can understand why you've picked them, but there might be another reason why you've picked them. I think the, the remit for my selections was songs that have Shape. shaped my yeah. <coughs> musical, or not my musical, shaped my kind of journey, uh, for want of a better word. And there probably aren't many other bands that have shaped it quite as much as prides in whatever form they've taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of first came across some elements of prides when I was at uni and like I said I was involved in student radio station and we, for a club night that we ran booked Strive by Argument, uh, which was I think the first iteration of, well Stuart and Lewis yeah. were in there. And um, yeah I really enjoyed him and I, I remember hearing him on a Jim Gallatly show on whatever platform he was on at that point. Uh, and yeah they were creating like fun music that was yeah really enjoyable and down the line I kind of got to know them when they were Midnight Lion uh, and got to know Callum who would later join uh, through sort of various trends so like I've been sort of friends with the guys over over the years and did a bunch of work and only really started doing work with them when they became Prides. They've been quite an important part of my work over the past few years just because they have given they they have placed a lot of trust in me like they haven't questioned what I've done and some like obviously when you bring in labels and you start to sort of there's a lot of second guessing going on but yeah. the, the band themselves are I've got a really good relationship with and yeah like they were the kind of first band that I kind of really delved into in terms of photographing and like spent a lot of time with them out with sort of Years our kind of hour long shoot to get some new press shots. Like I spent a bunch of time with them, and it was really interesting to see the the kind of inner workings. And they're probably not like a lot of other bands. They're quite unique.
lips like the tide Constant in and out One man's unwavering fight You never did stand for my shit And you challenge every word Even as I hold on to it There's a smile in the mirror frame gold There's a toothpaste grin laughing at your own jokes There's a talk of how we'll be when we're old There's a thing that we have To puzzle piece born to be whole To puzzle piece born to be whole There's a day spent in sheets There's a cannonball firework Comic confetti There's a promise, a photograph Empty seat that you kept for me So watching you do makeup A mate for my soul See there's things that we have Two puzzle piece born to be whole And everybody knows Puzzle piece born to be whole Oh, yeah. I could damn it, there's so much I want to tell you I could damn it, it's so hard for me to say Well, I've never known too much But here's a hopeful hushing tug Cause I would love to see you every single day Every single day But I've never known too much But here's a hopeful hushing tug Cause I would love to see you every single day Every single day So there's this um, uh, kind of idea of going out touring with a band Like I guess a lot of young photographers have this um, it's quite a kind of mythologised profession is to go on tour with the band and photograph them um, and I remember one time I was in like a Wotherspoons in somewhere in the middle of England with Prides and there was like a show that night and there was nothing to do during the day and we were all just sitting around a table in Wotherspoons on our laptops and I was just like living the dream <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's, like it's funny because they they they're extremely hardworking and they are extremely passionate about what they do um, and they, they mean a lot to 
quite a, quite a lot of people as well, um, and that's something that's really interesting to see close up is when a band is making a significant impact on someone's life, um, mm-hmm. and like sometimes music when it's not your cup of tea, it's kind of easy to dismiss as maybe less significant in someone's life than something would be to your own if it's not like your music. Um, but yeah, it kind of really opened my eyes to see the people that were coming up to them and like telling them stories of what their music had done for them and what it's wow. meant to them, which is really nice. And I think there's something that's really been that Stuart's kind of captured quite well in their most recent releases is this kind of idea of story, um, and not just story and a kind of Bob Dylan telling a story through the verses of the song, uh, but the kind of slightly more. Um, underlying story of why the song exists mm-hmm. in the first place uh, yeah so there's a lot of interesting stuff there that I think isn't always as obvious on the surface and that's something that I yeah like had a lot of fun like I, I don't I've done some stuff with them recently like I did the cover stuff for their recent releases um, which was an experience uh, which that's like a whole other story into itself um yeah, I spent a lot of time doing some work that I'm really happy with, and I feel like they're like a significant like benchmark in my kind of career. Uh, and I'm hesitant to use the word, but is there a sense of pride there because they <laughs> are your their friends as well? Yeah, like it's absolutely. Um, like I think that probably happens quite a lot in this kind of fairly small. So kind of Scottish community <laughs> uh, of music, uh, like when you see someone do well, like you just like want to punch there and give them a hug and say congratulations. Um, and yeah, that, I mean that's absolutely the case with Pride. Like when, like I want those guys to do well mm-hmm. in the same way that I want any sort of, well, maybe not any, but like people that I recognise and I'm close to, which is a lot through just what I do. Yeah, um, I want to see them do well and progress. And yeah. Before going to your, your last track, the um, you've so where is your career now? Where where has where have things kind of come to? What what point are you at? You're gonna catch me at quite a an interesting time that is full of existential doubt and crises. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, I've just uh, had a daughter a couple of months ago. Just um, and yeah, she's. Flipped things, yeah, flipped everything on its head. Um, I got married in 2016, then had the wee girl in February this year. Yeah, like so the past two months have been quite quiet in terms of work. Um, and then, in fact, probably more than the last two months, probably since the tail end of last year, have been fairly quiet just as we've sort of started to sort of prepare or what we thought was preparation. Turns out it was not even close to preparation. Um, I kind of banked on that quiet time is to have a bit of time for reflection which I kind of try and do fairly often um, and just to sort of look at where I am um, and what I'm doing and what I want to do um, it doesn't always end up with me being in a good place you know? yeah. um, there are lots of um, uh, car journeys with friends to the, to the Highlands talking about um, what the hell we're doing with our lives um, and what we want to do, where we should be going, and I think that's a lot of people at the moment. Yeah. To be honest, it's interesting because like the the work that I love doing, and it's kind of work that you've referenced and have been really kind about 
today um, is not necessarily the work that is paying my bills. Yeah. Um, which I guess happens in a lot of worlds, you know, there's a lot of instances of that being the case. Um, so I, d I do a, a bunch of work that um, satisfies the financial aspects that comes with it being work. Um, and yeah, that's kind of why I said right at the start that professional is quite a loaded word because professional ultimately just means that you make your living from it, uh, which can be a bit of a poison chalice at times. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of days that I think it might be nice to have no pressure on the camera um, and it to just be a fun thing. Um, that being said, it's never not been a fun thing for me. Um, I mean, there are jobs that I've done that don't see the light of day and will never see my website or social media. Mm -hmm. um, not because they're like there's anything wrong with them, just because it's not something I'm especially interested in. So there are dry days but then like it's always you always just need to kind of ground yourself and say like people are paying me to do, people are paying me to do this so you need to sort of be appreciative of that fact um but yeah where am i right now is a really big question and honestly i don't have an answer yeah uh, i don't think i've ever had an answer for that question if i spend enough time thinking about thinking about it i always want to be somewhere other than where I am in that moment mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how that reflects on me I don't know what a psychologist would say about that that I but I think it's just <coughs> a completely natural emotion to yeah. be honest uh, like I've, I've never had any kind of doubt as to what is driving me to do this because uh, I absolutely love it and it's fulfilling on an almost daily basis Trevor Morrison Herta oh um, so, um, is this taken from Lost Songs of St Kilda? It is, yes. Yeah. So, you're, again, to, to, to reference your group of friends, um, you're very much about nature and the outdoors and, and you really relish um, that as well. Is that fair to say? 100%. Um, yeah. So, has this got a connection to this? Why this? Why you picked this? Not really, actually, but that's interesting that that's what you took from it. Um, yeah. This is this is on the list because it, um, I was commissioned to make a film about this album uh, and the incarnation of this album, essentially. Um, it's kind of hard to tell my story without briefly telling the story of the album, so I'll do that as briefly as I can. Um, Trevor Morrison was... Um, an elderly man in a care home in Edinburgh um, who was very kind of reclusive and one day sat down at the piano in the care home started playing this music and uh, a couple of people in the care home were like that's really really beautiful what is that and he's like oh someone taught me this when I was a child it's music from St Kilda uh, which was an island the, the most remote inhabited place in Scotland at the time it's not inhabited anymore they spoke to people about this some people came in and recorded this music um, it found its way to uh, a record label who decided they wanted to release this music. Um, he sadly passed away before the, the record came out and uh, before I got the chance to meet him as well. Um, but the, yeah, there was some documentation around what he'd been doing and I and another guy were commissioned to work on this film to accompany the, the record release. As we learned about him, we just got lost in this warren of fascinating, fascinating stories. So 
he'd been a a lot of this is very not contentious but like people don't necessarily believe the story uh, which ultimately led to the, f the fact that the film was never released because people contended that it wasn't legitimately music from St Kilda after it had been released wow. uh, but um, yeah it was just it was, it was one of the most interesting projects I've worked on uh, and led to me spending some time on St Kilda uh, like some very brief time on St Kilda um, and yeah meeting a lot of really interesting people and we it kind of felt a bit like detective work we were sort of diving into this guy's life and trying to find connections to people and found people that he knew who said he oh, he, he knew a lady called Mary used to come and visit him so then we were away to try and find this woman called Mary and we end up in Mary's kitchen uh, oh my God. interviewing her and hearing all these incredible stories about Trevor and yeah he's a a, a character for sure um, he's a really interesting guy he lived in Uganda for a while teaching and he he is he was quite a prolific writer as well um, and he has a lot of letters and poetry uh, lodged at the National Library in Edinburgh mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of time in Edinburgh reading files and files of his poetry uh, and yeah he'd spent time in Afghanistan helping people over the border from Pakistan and just this crazy life and he has this he kind of disappeared in the 80s as like I think quite a few people did but uh, he kind of lost track of him and then pick him back up in Edinburgh in the 90s and he's which is when he met Mary uh, but yeah he I got very emotionally attached to Trevor over the course of this like I probably worked on this project for I think it was the May I started and delivered it in November so whatever that is um so it's probably the longest I've worked on a single project and got very, very emotionally attached. And when I was on St Kilda, I felt like a real sense of connection with him and yeah. the place. Um, and uh, yeah, the the song that I have added onto my list is uh, called Herta, which is one of the islands of the archipelago that's St Kilda, um, which is the island that I was, or the, the landmass that I was actually on for a few hours when I would go over there, so... Yeah, incredible place, and it's like another one of these. Like it's, I didn't really think about this when I made the list, but like talking about them, there's quite a few that are kind of really making me, yeah, uh, making me feel it again. Yeah, thank you so much. You are so interesting to talk to, and um, I hope that um, yeah, I've always been a fan, but um, the 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 stuff that you're doing going forward is really. Um, intriguing so I can't wait to see how things unfold and I wish you and your new family all the best